0: Thank you for having me, um, family. It's a real honour to, to be able to speak today. Okay, we're just going to start with a little quick hands up. So, um, who knew that um, slavery still exists in the world today? Yeah? Mostly. I mean, that's everyone. That's, that's good. That makes this a bit easier. Um, with an estimated 40 million, uh, there are more slaves now than at any point in human history. Who knew that slavery actually still exists in our country today as well? Yeah? Mostly. Actually, over 10,600 people were um, referred as suspected victims just last year. That's nearly 30 a day. Here in Bournemouth, and even in our own community, uh, we have uh, people with first-hand experience of slavery and exploitation. But did you know that um, ending global slavery is actually achievable? Um, Researchers have calculated that it would cost about $26.7 billion, which is the cost of a few aircraft carriers or the brand value of Netflix. Um, it's quite astonishing, really. Uh, we're going to look a little bit about what slavery is, of course, um, where our own freedom might be limited, and how to live out our full freedom to help release others. So um, first off, what, um, what is modern slavery? So you might know that um, migrants and refugees are vulnerable to exploitation. Uh, But in the UK, a lot of those, so 34% of those victims are actually UK citizens. Um, And people who are homeless or um, have addictions, young people, people with learning difficulties, um, have all been um, exploited. And they're recruited from places like online, social media, outside schools, food banks, churches even, and night shelters, into forced labour, sexual exploitation, debt bondage, criminal exploitation, including county lines, drug selling, which is quite prominent around here, um, and domestic servitude. Just as in the 18th century, uh, slavery is built into the fabric of our society. Slavery is in many industries, from agriculture and fishing and manufacturing and construction and hospitality and car washes and nail bars and Takeaway food and fast fashion, and even conflict minerals that are in all of our phones and laptops and technology that we own. We're all close to this problem. Slavery is defined as a person having ownership over another person, using them like a commodity um, for their own gain, with psychological, social, spiritual, physical, emotional control over their whole being and their whole lives. It's, um, in anti-slavery, we talk a lot about this kind of legal definition of slavery, which, for law enforcement purposes, puts the crime of the slaveholder or trafficker at the center of the definition. Um, some colleagues at my university, um, instead of looking at what the slaveholder did, undertook research to understand the voice of the survivor and learn from um, them asking what slavery meant to them and the impact on their lives. So by reading historical testimonies and interviewing hundreds of modern-day slavery survivors, they identified five indicators of their experience of slavery and the impact on their life, uh, which we'll take a look at in a moment. But um, the summary of this research basically um, said that putting this definition at the centre of anti-slavery work, freedom work, is what leads to a person's own full freedom and their ability to heal and move on and build whole new, meaningful lives. Um, one thing I noticed when I read them, though, as well as being profoundly struck by uh, the levels of inhumanity and complex pain and abuse that they experienced, is that I kind of felt really convicted. Um, like, we, as free people, um, not only take this for granted, um, but I've noticed that we can um, get, keep ourselves bound by some of these things as well. And we can get caught up in offense and things that have happened to us or the culture of the world and values which aren't God's best for us. And we kind of get caught up in these instead of looking to the full freedom ahead of us that God has called all of us to. So let's um, get those first points up. So these were the the five um, indicators that they found. Number one was being stuck in a sense of time and space. So survivors identified um, this, that remembering is painful, and because of the levels of violence and threats to them, if they try to escape, they can't see a way out, so it's just safer to um, just not have plans or hopes for the future. The second one was deconstructed identity and dehumanization. When you're sold um, and used like an animal or a product or a toy, you're silenced by fear and treated like a non-person without a name and reduced to a thing with no feelings, no opinions, and no sense of belonging. Uh, Number three is lack of purpose. So um, the experience is that your actions belong to your slaveholder, There is no meaning or purpose to your work that does not belong to them and their gain, except maybe basic survival. Number four is denial of privacy, autonomy, and connection. So because of surveillance and the level of control um, through violent threats, they can't contact family or build friendships, and trust is totally undermined. You have no sense of your own life and choice. And it's almost like you don't really exist and you probably don't really matter. That's what it feels like. And number five is denial of well-being. Where the basic needs like sanitation, water, food and rest are not being met. Except maybe just enough to keep useful. Do you remember when the Israelites left Egypt? After enduring generations of bondage, abuse and violence and mistreatment, They were now a free people heading towards the promised land. But here's the thing. They didn't remember where they came from and uh, the freedom that they'd won, and they didn't truly um, trust the promise that was ahead of them. Um, And they complained, and some of them said it'd be better to be in the slavery where they were before. Number two, they they forgot who they were, God's people, and started to worship things that they created for themselves number 3 they forgot their purpose and what they were working and waiting for they stopped trusting each other and there was a, there was disconnection and they stopped trusting their leaders and we have examples of relationship breakdown and you know the fifth one as well they kind of they didn't recognize that the levels of the way god was providing through that for them and everything they needed in the now, it might not have looked like the lavish milk and honey land that they were promised, but every day they were seeing miracles happening in front of their eyes, like bread from heaven and water from a rock and um, a cloud of his presence to shield them from the, through the desert sun. How often are we like this? We can miss what God is doing and we can kind of choose bondage in our own lives, Um, disobeying God's instructions of how to live or choosing lies of our identity um, over the truth of who we are, or choosing safety and comfort instead of a risk like, you know, crossing the Red Sea that brings us release. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And he says, stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Do you remember what a yoke is? It's like being bound back to this cart of baggage that you have to drag around to plow the ground. Who here has ever chosen or felt this sense of choosing the slavery of fear or sin or self-indulgence? I know I have. I have. Along my journey over the past few years, there were times when I forgot what was ahead. I didn't believe that I was worthy of a hope-filled, purposeful life, or I chose unhealth. I chose behaviors that I never thought I would even consider, and I chose to sit in my downward spiral of thoughts and doubts about who I was and the love that was around me. And I chose to almost hear that what someone else did to me defined my worth and not um, to listen to the identity that I have as a beloved creation of Christ and as a chosen daughter. To you who are overwhelmed, I want to encourage you. Like, I didn't learn freedom through blessing and privilege of before, but I found it when I was walking through the valley of the shadow of death as it is. When trauma limited my own life and pain overwhelmed me, and when I was in deep grief and heartbreak and my, um, time after time I kind of was looking for evidence of why I was not loved or rejected and, and I was exhausted and hopeless and or walking with others through their sadness. But I found freedom because I pressed into Jesus and he began to show me something different a perspective of those very circumstances, but slowly piecing back together the truths of his value and his vision for me that I needed for living free. The truth will set us free, right? Part of my heart for this message is also to get across something of the grief of God for his people who maybe don't see and don't live in the fullness of the freedom of the life he has for us. Maybe... Our worldly perspective just can't fathom it, but we're not of this world anymore. We're, we're born again in the spirit, right? You know, even we're not limited by circumstances of this world and even by things like lockdown, but the God in you is comforter and peace bringer and freedom bringer and hope promiser, which is bigger than our experiences, but yet also truthful and honest about them. You know, he's not denying or skimming over your experiences or your feelings. He saw your trauma and he sees your pain. And in fact, he sees the parts of your heart that you don't even want to face right now. We're not supposed to fix any of this. I'm not calling for us to do that. But we are to look to him. Um, Peace in all things. We experience the darkest valleys, but they are to walk through. And there is a time for grieving pain and questioning hope, but there's also a time to say, God, I trust um, the plan and the future that you have for me. And I trust the deep love and closeness that you want with me. And that's going to bring me freedom. So um, what is freedom then? Um, If we kind of flip those points from before, it's to live a full life in the past and present and future. So there's a, we have a fullness of life now, remembering with all of the emotion that comes with that, um, live in the present, bringing the anguish as well as the lightness of joy to him, but also the plans to prosper and the dreams to unfold and the steadfast hope in who God is and what he's going to do in your life and in the world around us, a hope that he promises will not be put to shame. Number two, knowing and knowing your identity and living from your identity in Christ. He, we have a God who is specific and personal. He gives us a name and knits our beings. He sees us and loves us and wants to interact with us and calls us to belonging in his family. Num, um, number three is a life of purpose. So God gives us uh, skills and gifts and anointing to partner with him. In bringing about his kingdom of justice, he wants purposeful, active relationship um, where we understand him more because we work together. Where in and beyond our jobs, uh, we are demonstrating love and shifting values and bringing change and freeing others. And the fifth one is well-being. Oh, I've missed one: uh, privacy and choice. <laughs> Number four. Uh, th- through a personal, intimate relationship with God, we are safe and seen and connected. We belong, uh, but we also have opinions that matter to him and choices that he cares about and um, dignity in our unique makeup. We are not owned by the circumstances around us or by others' opinion or by sin or by the world's expectations and ways. We are free to choose The fifth one is well-being. There is freedom in caring for a whole human self. In the depths of depression, I know this can be a really hard thing to grapple with, but I really had to seek God to learn that I was worth caring for, Um, to make those medical appointments or get myself up in the morning or um, to eat well or rest on purpose and to exercise. Um, But these are a part of a life of freedom too. And the final piece of my puzzle um, for my healing was when I began to be reminded of my and our calling to free people. Jesus started his ministry with the confirmation from Isaiah 61. The the spirit of the Lord is upon me um, because he has anointed us to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to set the oppressed free. And he said, We'll do greater things than he's. So that must be part of our story, too, right? Um, and I knew that I needed to first seek that freedom for myself. Otherwise, um, what do I have to offer and what kind of life I, am I inviting people into? God um, called the Israelites to freedom. Um, and that freedom began with wrestling through the wilderness. Um, Deconstructing the old ways of living and building new relationship and faith in God. Dependency on his provision and vision of future of abundance and purpose. And, And his promise... Um, included clear instructions from the book of laws that it wasn't just their freedom, but their treatment of others would be distinct cultural identifiers to the nations around them, and that all people, including foreigners and vulnerable, are equal and under the law and in love. In fact, in Exodus 21, when God gives Moses the people and the people the Ten Commandments, after addressing worship, the very next thing he addresses is slaves' rights. The law um, instructed how to live with justice and compassion within their present circumstances, Um, to care and provide for the workers and to give them a Sabbath, to not rule over them ruthlessly, um, but to give the give paid good work to people to fall into destitution and not to exploit them. And he reminds us, you know, don't oppress a foreigner because you yourselves know what it is to be that as you were in Egypt, um, as it said in Exodus 23. So we're reminded again in the New Testament of um, this part of freedom. You were called to be free, but do not just use your freedom to indulge the flesh, that that self-fulfilling, comfortable part. Um, but rather to serve one another, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. God's people were often being challenged to work against economic and social practices that perpetuate inequality and justice. This is both in lifestyle and in their eating and living and practice of work and hospitality, and in their relationship with one another, um, and to others who don't look like them. Isaiah 49 says, I've heard you, and I will help you, and I'll preserve you, to restore the earth, to reassign inheritances, and that you may say to the captives, come out, and to those in darkness, be free. This can be really hard and uncomfortable, though, too, right? Um, Selwyn Hughes, who wrote Every Day with Jesus Devotionals, wrote, what really lies behind an inability or unwillingness to confront wickedness? It's fear. It's fear of our suffering. But perfect love drives out fear. And the truth is, others are already suffering. And we're called to do something about it and to call out injustice. Because we're not slaves to fear anymore. We, we are empowered by his spirit to love and self-discipline. That, that's the self-work that I've been talking about and that outward work of love. So here's a few ways you can practically live out your freedom and take actions helping others in slavery. The first one is through observation. Uh, Spot the signs. So as observant members of, um, of community, um, you know, you can all be a part of helping report people. Um, and so I would encourage you to go home, uh, you can Google it, spot the signs of modern slavery. There's a list of some indicators of things that you might see around you. Um, and you can report to the Modern Slavery Helpline or to somewhere like Crime Stoppers. Um They may be things like evident uh, fear or control of money and documents and uh, movements or unsuitable living conditions. Um, There's also another really easy way to do this is through the Safe Car Wash app, which was developed by the Church of England. Um, And if you ever get your car washed um, by people, uh, you can um, kind of log a few things on there, and it will, you know, pick up on on some signs around, like, uh, health and safety equipment and stuff like that. And it will indicate whether or not this could be an area of risk and invite you to report it. Number two is through our lifestyle Um, one really interesting thing to do be to go home and look up um, your stats on slaveryfootprint.org. It's a quick survey, and it indicates how many slaves are connected to you and work for you through the things that you own, uh, or use, or wear, or eat as a household. Um, And then consider, how are your purchasing decisions um, impacting workers around the world uh, look for fairly traded goods. There's plenty of sites now like Ethical Consumer, which can indicate brands that, with better treatment of workers. And there's another app called Sweat & Toil, um, which looks at kind of products where there might be forced or child labour in, um, in the chains. Through your workplaces. Um, you're not all going to maybe have the calling I do to the anti-slavery field as a vocation, uh, but you can all call on your workplace to be active. Um, to look at where your company is buying things from, um, calling for risk assessment of supply chains, and how to be a place that practices safe, diverse employment. And through our blessing, um, Phil spoke to us um, a few weeks ago about blessing through finances um, and to, to donate. I believe freedom work should be a part of our giving. It's so core to the gospel. Um, So seek out some charities like Hope for Justice or Salvation Army or smaller ones that work more locally with survivors. And through our resources, like invite, include, make family, uh, the more we work on freeing slaves, the more people are going to need community to come into. Um, And they'll be bringing complex needs with them. And stay faithful and consistent in love, even when it's really difficult with people. And practice now. I mean, maybe some of us have come out of this pandemic not really feeling like we have that kind of family or community, but um, build it. (laughs) There's plenty of people here. And as you build it, that will be freeing for you and um, you get the opportunity to partner in being a space where freedom and healing comes to others. And number five, do our relationships. Um, discipleship is about pursuing God and inviting others on that journey um, and encouraging each other to live in the best of who we are you know he said you may say to the captives come out and to those in darkness be free when we know the truth and the word of God and we apply it and live it and speak it it will reveal uncomfortable things about our lives and our hearts but it will release us And we're we're called to encourage and teach each other in these things, to raise the uncomfortable conversations like racism or spending or lifestyle or identity and the lies that we tell ourselves to stay comfortable. I believe God's been really challenging me this year um, to speak up about things like this and to push for integrity and dig into the scripture to align myself to and encouraging and releasing people around me into purpose, even when circumstances are difficult. And that might just be to say, we're actually living in apathy and ignoring the injustice of the world, but God wants us to engage. Some people don't have the choice, but we're free and we have the choice. What are we going to do about it? Yeah, um, I think we'll take some time to respond now as well.